0: Welcome to the Inner Dominatrix podcast, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. I am your host and former Dominatrix, Dana Ferrant. So today, this is in a different episode. I am going to be doing a solo episode for you. So I have a whole bunch of questions that people in the Facebook groups have been putting in for me to Answer here in the podcast because there's been lots of people saying you know, they want to hear more about my story, more about where I've come from, and kind of get that background. So I'm listening, and this is your episode to find out a little bit more about me. So I'm going to take you on a journey, and back in about mm, 1997, I was with my ex, and it was a relationship that really wasn't working all that well for me. But I was kind of stuck and in this space. And at the same time, I was a massage therapist. And so one of my clients came in, and she disclosed to me that, that she was into this kink. And she just wanted me to know so that I wouldn't be... Scared about the bruises that were going to show up or things that were going on. And so that she could talk about it openly. It's like, okay, this is where this came from. And that's great. And what was going on was that, you know, being that I had a relationship that wasn't working for me and here she is disclosing about the kink, which had always been a little bit of a niggle for me. There was always something about, you know, that piece. It was like, ooh, that's kind of interesting, intriguing, sexy, (gasps) And I wanted to know more, so I started to ask her questions, and bless her heart, she was so open with me every time I asked a question. she would share um, without reserve, and it was always a way of you know explaining it so that it wasn't it wasn 't dirty it wasn 't abusive, and it was always intriguing because she was absolutely passionate and still is passionate about the kink. And so gradually over time, you know, I was just more and more intrigued. And quite honestly, this, you know, this kind of conversation went on for a while. And I, I did sort of explore into the kink with my ex for a little bit, but that really didn't go very well. So then we, you know, shut everything down again. And, and it wasn't until 2006 when we separated that I really felt free to dive in headfirst. So at this point, I had done so much research and so much reading, and I knew intellectually what was going on, and I had had a lot of conversations with people, frank, open conversations. So I dove in full on, I, you know, first play party, I'm there, I'm like, okay, (laughs) so let's go, let's get into this. And, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics and details of the, the parties because that's really not my platform. But what I do want to touch on is that I met somebody there who took me on a really interesting journey. So I got to back it up. I had been through quite a bit of sexual abuse as a as an early teen and late teens, um, a few different partners that, you know, that that was going on with. So there was a fair bit of trauma still in my body. And although I'd done the intellectual work around that, and, you know, I was functioning, there was still clearly a lot of stuff that it was still showing up. I mean, just the fact of, you know, my ex and how that was not a great relationship for me there were things that weren't resolved and so i met this person who you know took me through a scene that really allowed me to release the trauma from my body and i know for a lot of people if you're not familiar with kink and and the bdsm world that seems crazy it seems retarded that i would go somewhere that on the outside seems so abusive to heal from my abuse and my trauma as a kid but that's what happened for me and and I really discovered the healing side and the spiritual side of the kink and the BDSM world for me and that's where I really took it on this journey when I when I changed sides so to speak and you know went from that submissive role into the dominant role I really wanted to bring that experience of healing to people. And so it was always about transformation and, you know, getting to know where, where the client was at and, you know, what they wanted or, you know, wasn't always a client. A lot of times it was, it was people that I knew, not necessarily professionally, but, but still it was, you know, getting to know what's going on with them, what's up with them, where do they want to shift and change. And then in the context of this, magical world, you know, taking them through this journey where, you know, we set up a scene and slowly ramp up the pain engagement so that it's releasing the endorphins and it's starting to push the limits and you release the endorphins and you push and you, and you ramp it up slowly, you know, it could be over an hour, two hours or more. And in doing that, what it does is it, it actually releases the chemicals in your body so that you hit a high very much like you know what a lot of people experience when they take um ashwagandha i think i'm pronouncing that right you know the drug that induces those hallucinations and you have that really deep spiritual connection and this is the same kind of thing It, it puts people deeply in their body They get really connected. And in that process of ramping it up, what you're doing is you're breaking down the walls and the resistance that people have to being in their body. And done well, the person at the end is left being so deeply connected to their body that the only thing that exists is that moment. And most of the time, that moment and just the two of you like the rest of the world just kind of like disappears. It's incredible. You know, the, the high that comes from that is absolutely profound. And then the other really cool thing that happens is that the person starts to get to realize that they're way stronger than they thought they were, because what they went through was more than they thought they were capable of. And that's always been the passion and the drive for me is to show people how brilliant they are, how strong they are. And, you know, when I was playing with the whips, it was that was a tool to get people to see that. And it was fun. It was exciting. It was exhilarating. And, you know, for me being the dominant, there was a high that goes with it on my end as well. And it's just gradually over time, things changed. So... So I played in that world till about 2012. So it was six years of being really intensely involved. In 2012, yeah, so 2012, the community decided to ostracize me. And they started spreading rumors and saying bad things about me. And uh, it was just a big mess. And I'm not a one for drama anymore. I don't like it. And I'm not going to stay around. So I just pulled out. And I dropped everything. And closed up my dungeon and, you know, called it a day because I was kind of transitioning out of it anyway. I had started playing around with some more advanced energy tools and really, you know, kind of diving into it from that perspective and being able to get people to drop into surrender without needing to beat it out of them. Because quite honestly, it's a lot of work to beat people. It's a physical strain. And as I've said before in other podcasts, I'm the lazy dominatrix now. (laughs) So I really love to play with the energy of it, the energy to get people to drop into that space of surrender. But even more than that, you know, is to work with people to get them to embrace their inner dominatrix. They get to experience what it feels like to stand in that power, but it's not a power over, right? So here's one of the other misnomers is that a lot of people think that a dominant or a dominatrix is about power over and it's about, you know, anything I want. So I'm going to have some submissive little slave come and do whatever I want. And I don't have to, you know, be responsible for anything. And that's actually very different from that. So if you take on a slave or a submissive, you're actually taking on responsibility for that person and their well-being and they're putting themselves in in your care. So, you know, instead of it being about power over, it is this interesting piece of service. It's a place where your focus and your concern is on the other person. And this is where I started to play with the ideas of, you know, how these lessons and stories and things relate so well for people in business. And, You know, I started out really targeting women in particular because I saw that a huge need for women to really embrace this energy, whether they get involved with, you know, the whips and the dominatrix physical aspect of it or not, but to actually be able to stand in that confident space where you feel centered in your body, deeply connected, focused, and there in utter service for your clients. These are all the same principles that everybody talks about in business. I'm just putting a dominatrix spin to it because it's fun, it's sexy, and sometimes that makes it stick a little bit better, right? I tell you something really unusual, and maybe it'll stick a little more. And this is the fun that I get to have with people now, you know, and engaging in this way that lights me up because I'm really quite passionate about the energy of this and how how much it can really change people. And and it really is, like I said, it's it's that piece of you know, you being able to stand and own the fact that you're brilliant, to let go of that whole idea that you're fucked up at all. Right? No podcast episode to be complete without me swearing. <laughs> right. So that's that's kind of the backstory of where I've come and, and why I want to bring this to to the business world, right? Even though for a lot of people, they think mm, dominatrix, they think sex, they think, you know, the kinky sex and, and kind of go, well, what does that have to do with business? I don't want to be having sex with my clients. But it's not at all about sex. And in fact, most good pro-doms will not engage in any kind of sexual activity with their clients. That's not what it's about. You know, yes, there's lots of the dungeons that are the, you know, the equivalent of the rub and tug places. It's the one hour, you know, beat you a little bit, jack you off, and then, you know, you're on your way. There's lots of those. But I'm talking about the person who's actually looking to engage in a transformation. They're looking to service what is underneath what you're initially asking for, right? And to go deeper. So those are the ones I'm saying, they will not engage in sex if it's professional, if it's paid work. That's just the, the industry standard there. So same thing in business. I'm not you know, saying you should start engaging in sex with any of your clients. Um, maybe that's appropriate, but most of the time with the people that I work with, that is not at all appropriate. And although I talk a lot about sexual energy... That is not about engaging in any kind of sexual activity. And I just like to be clear on that because so many people confuse it and they think that, you know, they just automatically go there. So enough of that. Um, Let's pop over and see some of the questions that have come up on the Facebook group. So one of the questions that's come up from Andrea, um, she's asked about my story around the bankruptcy and, you know, a little bit more information about how that came about and, you know, the turning point, maybe what steps that you can do to avoid bankruptcy. So that's, first of all, that's a big topic. We could probably spend an entire podcast on that itself. But to hit the highlights, because it does actually tie in very nicely with my story with the dominatrix and the whole inner dominatrix piece, Um, 2012. So I'm just getting out of the kink world. And uh, shortly after that, or actually, it was kind of like simultaneous with that, my business that I had, so I had a massage supply outlet, where we were doing like just shy of a million dollars in sales, we had six staff and a couple overseas, things were rocking. But you know, after several years of issues, um, a separation that cost me thousands of dollars, several mistakes, um, a franchising mistake, which was very expensive, you know, it just added up and and a few bad purchasing mistakes. So before I knew it, we were roughly $350,000 in debt. Which, as you can imagine, the ratio is just not good because, you know, a million dollars in sales sounds really fantastic. But you start breaking it down and, you know, you pay staff, you pay for the space, you pay for the stock. And, you know, it doesn't whittle down to very much, you know, certainly not 350000 to clear it off the debt. And then to make it worse, most of that was on credit cards, which is not a good business choice. But as often what happens when you're, you know, a small to medium sized business is that you end up financing on your own personal um, credit, and you rack this up. So I had, you know, had all those wonderful points cards. Um, <laughs> it points out the wazoo of everything. I, I always had free coffee at Starbucks. So one of my cards was a Starbucks card. So, you know, but that cost was really, really high. So that amount of debt, we were paying about $4,000 a month in interest. So, what happened in 2012 is that we had a, a trifecta of bad things happen. We had some big clients that stopped paying, they just weren't going to pay their bills. Um, so, we were out that money. We had somebody break into our merchant account and do $1,000 refunds to the tune of five grand. And the credit card merchant company said, Your breach, your problem fantastic (laughs) you know so that was great and then we also had our summer slowdown hit two months early so there was no chance for us to turn around and at that point even though we were trying to, um, that was the end of it. And we had to do a bankruptcy. So, you know, I had to close the big business and, you know, do, do the big fire sale. <laughs> it was hilarious. So we're doing the big fire sale and people are coming in and going, are you guys closing? And we're at this point, we don't want to tell anybody. It's like, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Just keep buying. Just keep buying. It's all good. <laughs> you know, so I I actually restructured the entire business against my lawyers advice. I I turned it around. I renamed it and created a much smaller version of it. So I took it down to just me running the show. And it it was crazy. Oh my god, it was so insane. So I was working like literally 14 hours a day, 7 days a week for 4 months straight to do that because I had no staff. I had no one to help me. So sales were still coming in like crazy. I had to handle everything that was coming in. And I was trying to move things around and downsize into this, you know, tiny little unit and rearrange it so that it actually flowed and worked. So it was insane. And all of the bookkeeping and accounting stuff just got shoved into the corner and dealt with two years later. But um, so the bankruptcy helped me to actually, you know, stop the bleeding Get out from under that massive debt and and payments that just were not going in the right direction. And in this restructuring, there was a decision that I made. I came to the spot where I was like, you know what? I am doing this in a way that's fun and makes me money, like profit side, or I'm not doing it. And in doing that, in making that choice and standing in that I noticed a significant change right away. Things shifted around and I was, I fired clients, people that came in and were just absolute assholes. Let's just call it that, right? Completely inappropriate, um, asking way too much, going above and beyond what they expected me to do for them. And I fired them. I said, you know what? You go somewhere else, go to Toronto instead. Just, you know, you're going to drive an hour for your stuff now. They were shocked, but I was happy to lose them because almost all the pain in the ass customers were tiny, piddly customers. And my big customers were the ones who were checking in with me and saying, are you okay? You know, can we support you? You know, we're here. And they started paying their bills earlier. Like, it still boggles my mind. My best, best customer, Huge, would always pay their bill within two weeks because they knew that I was struggling for money and they didn't want to see me go under. I mean really How, who does that that was beautiful so things started to change around because I was starting to own this energy I was bringing this energy of the dominatrix into work I was I wasn't going to you know tolerate abuse from my customers and I was going to do the business in a way that worked for me and so things really turned around and I, what I really noticed was that Every time I engaged that energy and I ramped it up intentionally, sales would go up, like without fail, sales would go up. And then, you know, I'd forget. And so it would fall off and I would get discouraged and I'd, I'd start like going about the business because it wasn't my ultimate passion. And so the the energy would drop and sales would drop. And then I'm like, okay, turn it back on. Sales would go back up. And I realize, you know what? There is a huge piece in this for people in business. When you fire up that energy, it is a switch that just turns on the money and the client flows. It's really remarkable. So that's kind of the the short story of my bankruptcy. And you know, as you know, there's lots more to any kind of story. but I would say for business owners, I mean, the whole bankruptcy avoidance piece is not really my uh, my area that I'm dealing with. So if you're in a place where you you think that you are heading down that path, go and talk to a professional, right? This is the inner dominatrix. So January of 2012, I actually sat down with the bankruptcy proposal people, the, the bankruptcy lawyers, and and I said, you know, I think we're going to need you. But I want to get a heads up and say, you know, what am I going to be looking at? If I'm going to be doing this, what, you know, what, how, what should I prepare? What do I need to know? What am I going to encounter? And I took charge in doing that, right? And that's the energy of the dominatrix. I don't, I didn't wait until it was absolutely done. I mean, I had stuck my head in the sand for a while, but. Luckily, I did pull it out. And between January and July, when I actually did the changeover, you know, I had some time to actually prep some things and put some things in place and make it work for me because I wasn't sitting in this space of feeling bad about myself, feeling like a piece of crap, feeling that I deserved the crap that was coming in, right? Like there were shitty things happening. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a lot of work. It really was. There was a lot coming at me all at once. But luckily, because of all the work that I've done and all that time stepping into the dominatrix energy, I chose not to make me wrong. And I think that's probably my biggest piece for anybody of avoiding bankruptcy, or if you're close to it, is to learn to get to the space where you you just don't make yourself wrong anymore, right? You stop seeing yourself as broken and you start to step into that power and ramp it up as much as you can. That's really, really vital for running a business. So we have time for one last question, which is gonna come in from my dear friend, Jean Leggett, um, which is, what is my go-to when I'm stuck? And just before I get to that question, the answer to it, I wanna put out a special invitation, So one of the things that I run on a semi-regular basis is a semi-private group program. And this gives you the benefits of one-to-one coaching, but in a group format that's quite affordable for almost everybody and creates massive transformation. So if you are ready to claim your inner dominatrix, then message me at dana at danaferent.com and we'll schedule a call to talk about it. So, let's get over to the tools. So, what is my go-to when I'm stuck? So, I would say one of my one of my big things and I know I've talked about it on a lot of podcasts where I've been a guest, a lot of, you know, the videos that I've got going on on the um, Access Your Inner Dominatrix Facebook group is the expand out. It really really is phenomenal. Um, it was a game changer for me. So so at one point in my life, I was really, you know, had to do the shield and bubble and waterfall to clear everybody's energy. And, you know, I was doing this on a regular basis. And it was, it was working, it was helping, but it still wasn't avoiding the problem. So when I discovered this concept of expanding the energy out instead of contracting it in and trying to shield it, Suddenly, that freed up a lot of energy for me. And also, kind of what happens for me, maybe it's just the way I work the tool, I don't know. But what happens for me is that as I expand out and try to, you know, get myself as big as infinite space, all that stuff that belongs to other people, to other things, seems like it just kind of falls away. So it's something to play with is to, you know, to take that tool of expanding out and use it on a regular basis. And if you've been following me for a while, you know I've said this. So if you don't have that alarm set up your fo- on your phone, do it now. Get your phone, create an alarm with a special ringtone. Every time that ringtone goes off, you're going to take the nanosecond to expand out. All right. And you start developing that muscle to stay expanded out. So you're not taking on the crap that's going on with everybody else in the world. That's the prevention piece. Okay. And if you are stuck to just look at, you know, checking in, is any of that even mine? And I want you to come from the perspective that probably none of it's yours. You know, there's a good chance that none of it's yours. And what if you start there to just slough off everything that's yours instead of a lot of people come from initially like, oh, I'm feeling it. Therefore, it must be mine. So there, you know, because I know I'm fucked up. So this must be mine. (laughs) Well, let's take the opposite approach. You know, the dominatrix approach is like, "Mm, I'm not fucked up. So there's a good chance this is not mine. So I'm going to check around to see if it's someone else or something else first, instead of assuming that it's me, right? And those two pieces are really my go-to every time. There's there's not a lot of other tools. You know, there's tools that kind of direct you to being aware of the energy, to direct you to being aware of your choice and all those kinds of things. But ultimately, it comes down to, is it even yours? And then what do you want to do with it, Right really, really simple, but not necessarily going to be implemented overnight. It takes some muscle development. So that's why I like the idea of Put the ringtone on your phone so that something else is reminding you. Your phone is reminding you instead of your brain trying to remind you because your brain is, will let you down. Trust me. It will not remember. <laughs> so, especially if your brain's anything like mine. You know, I meet those people at networking events and I'm like, hi. Yeah. You know, in the background, I'm like, I don't know who the hell that is, but hey, how you doing? <laughs> right. So, never trust your brain. All right. So, we are going to wrap up this episode. Let me know if you have any questions that you want me to answer on the next solo podcast. So, Dana at danafarrant.com. And until then, have fun. Thanks for tuning in to The Inner Dominatrix, the show that lets you step into your bold, sexy, fun filled life. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to tell your friends about it. And if you're ready to own your inner dominatrix, then hop over to my website. InnerDominatrix.com, and let's have a conversation to get you rocking your bold, sexy, fun-filled life.